Hey everybody, this is Billy Carson, also known as Forbidden Knowledge, with the number four. Today is the anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. He was a great, great man, and as a lot of you know, I do not support any presidents, but if I were going to support a president, it would be John F. Kennedy. Because of some of the things that he did while he was actually in office, uh, and you know, he really did have a very serious impact on a lot of things. So I'm just going to touch on a few and then we're going to play uh, an excerpt from his speech, one of the most famous speeches that he ever did, which has become known as the Secret Society uh, speech. But first, he was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps uh, Medal of Heroism during World War II. A lot of people didn't know that. John F. Kennedy was awarded the actual Navy Marine Corps Medal. And how he got it was because he had to take control of this actual boat and turn it on the enemy during a war. He actually was put into war. And uh, he received the highest combat decoration for uh, heroism in the U.S. Navy. And he also received the Purple Heart, uh, which is a medal for his injuries. Uh, John F.K. Uh, also is the youngest ever elected president of the United States. A lot of people don't know that. In 1960, uh, he basically won the presidential election. And then he, how he did it was he actually defeated the incumbent Vice President Richard Nixon to become the 35th president of the United States. At the age of 43... He became the president. I mean, that's an amazing feat in itself, okay? Because I'm thinking back like, wow, when I was 43, I was running businesses and everything else, but I'm just trying to put my mind in, my, my mind inside of somebody else's uh, you know, political mindset. Are they really ready to run a country at the age of 43? I don't think most people are. Uh, so he basically remains the youngest ever elected president, even though Theodore Roosevelt was the youngest person to become a president because... He succeeded the presidency after the assassination, but the, the youngest elected president in history is John F. Kennedy. Okay, a lot of people didn't know that. Uh, he took the U.S. economy out of a recession, and how he did it was through his reforms. Okay, so the U.S. basically was in recession when Kennedy took office. We were already, you know, down and out, kind of like how we are now. Uh, but he carried out various measures to boost the economy under his own executive anti-recessionary activation program. And among other things, the most significant tax reforms since the New Deal were carried out, including a new investment tax. The GDP, which had grown basically by a new investment tax credit, the GDP had basically a 2% or 3% per annum. I can't remember the exact number right now. He said, okay, look, we're going to make an adjustment to this. And then Eisenhower presidency basically expanded the average from 2, like a 2.5 to 5.5 from the early 1961 to, the, to uh, late 1963. But Kennedy was assassinated, so that ruined everything. Um, you know, the rate of growth continued until 1969 and hasn't been repeated for such a sustained period of time yet. Uh, you know, I mean, this guy was amazing. He had some of the most, uh, you know, in, incredible understandings of how to manipulate and use the system to benefit the people of this country. He established the Peace Corps in 1961. And that was just an amazing thing because uh, he signed an actual executive order, which was Executive Order uh, 10924. And uh, it was uh, basically a program through which American volunteers would help underdeveloped nations in areas such as education, farming, healthcare, construction, and so forth. Um, you know, the organization started with like four to 5,000 members and grew to over 10,000 uh, by 1963. And then Basically, right now, we have about um, 
220,000 Americans to date that have joined the, the Peace Corps program and have gone all around the world uh, and basically helped in 140 different countries. I mean, think about that. That's just incredible. He also worked towards civil rights for African Americans. So this is something that really hits home to me, obviously, because I am an African American. Uh, and he was one of the very few presidents, in my personal opinion, that really fought for equality. Um, he actually supported racial integration and civil rights through his speeches, which is basically like, you know, take off the puppet strings. I'm going to talk about what needs to be talked about. I'm going to address the issues that need to be addressed. That's the kind of man he was. He addressed you know, the elephant in the room. On March 6, 1961, he signed Executive Order 10925, which required the government contractors to take affirmative action to ensure all employees are treated equally, irrespective of their race, creed, color, or national origin. His Executive Order 11063 on November of 1962 banned segregation in federally funded housing. Uh, he also, uh, on June 11, 1963, uh, gave his famous civil rights address calling Americans to recognize civil rights as a moral cause. The proposal to provide equal access to public schools and other facilities uh, and greater protection of voting rights became part of the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964. I mean, there's so much more I can say about this man. Um, he was heavily involved in trying to track down information on UFOs. He had submitted several requests to the FBI and the CIA about uh, unexplained aerial phenomena. And he was convinced that they were real and that they were uh, interacting with our military industrial complex. And that's probably part of the reason why they decided to take him out. That you know, also in accordance with the fact that he was trying to do away with the central banking system and uh, actually put together a real dollar backed by uh, real value, backed by gold or silver. Uh, you know, so this was a great man all around. And uh, it's no wonder why the elite powers that be decided they wanted to take him out because he was uh, he took he was a puppet but then he took his strings off and started freelancing and doing his own thing. Uh, so he was a great great man. And I'm going to sit here and play uh, for you uh, his speech, his uh, his very famous speech that uh, I think was like the story that probably broke the camel's back. The speech about secret secret societies and the danger of them, not only to the Ameri not only to Americans but also to the world. Okay, and um, just an amazing man. So please enjoy this. Please share this. Please subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. If you are watching this or listening to this, I'm sorry, on my podcast, please share this podcast. If it's on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, wherever it's located, please share this information today. Okay? Rest in power, JFK. Ladies and gentlemen. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security 
will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. No president should fear public scrutiny of his program, for from that scrutiny comes understanding, and from that understanding comes support or opposition, and both are necessary. I am not asking your newspapers to support an administration, but I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people, for I have complete confidence and the response and dedication of our citizens whenever they are fully informed. I not only could not stifle controversy among your readers, I welcome it. This administration intends to be candid about its errors. For as a wise man once said, an error doesn't become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. We intend to accept full responsibility for our errors, and we expect you to point them out when we miss them. Without debate, Without criticism, no administration and no country can succeed, and no republic can survive. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Sola decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. And that is why our press was protected by the First Amendment, the only business in America specifically protected by the Constitution, not primarily to amuse and entertain, not to emphasize the trivial and the sentimental, not to simply give the public what it wants, but to inform, to arouse, to reflect, to state our dangers and our opportunities, to indicate our crises and our choices, to lead, mold, educate, and sometimes even anger public opinion. This means greater coverage and analysis of international news, for it is no longer far away and foreign, but close at hand and local. It means greater attention to improved understanding of the news, as well as improved transmission. And it means, finally, that government at all levels must meet its obligation to provide you with the fullest possible information outside the narrowest limits 
of national security. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. Hey everyone, this is Billy Carson, also known as Forbidden Knowledge. If you haven't done so, please check out my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's currently a bestseller on Amazon.com. You can look it up, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets by Billy Carson. In this book, I break down the metaphysical, quantum physics, esoteric wisdom of Thoth the Atlantean. This information was written eons ago, and I've taken my time to break down all of the information in a way that everyone can understand it. So please, check it out. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. If you're into learning about the true ancient history and ancient civilizations, you have to read my book.